Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C H E F R A N J O H N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. So I just want to thank everybody for joining today. Uh, we have Coach Jean Hill here. And, you know, it's amazing when we plan out this podcast and we get speakers on because some of the most humble people are the ones who don't look to be sought out. They, you know, as soon as I sent Coach Hill a message, it was like, sure, that's no problem. Let's make it work. You know, you let me know and let's see how we can make this work. And, you know, I already saw then the servant heart and the servant spirit, head women's basketball coach at Georgia State University, and just an amazing person to be here to talk about faith um, and servant leadership and how you applaud that. Um, Most people see us as coaches on the sidelines, but they don't understand and for those, of course, you know, we do this as a podcast, but you can't see him, but his shirt says Jesus is bigger. And as soon as he hopped on, I was like, yes, I love that shirt. And already was a precursor um, to just the type of information and the, the spirit that's going to exude through this conversation. So Coach Hill, I thank you so much just for being here and for joining us. And we look forward to just this talk. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it to you to just kind of introduce yourself and we'll get this ball rolling. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I didn't realize the whole shirt, it says Jesus is bigger than Sunday. Come and, on here. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, I think we all kind of can understand the meaning of that and everything. You know, it, it has to it has to go beyond uh, Sunday and in, in, in the church walls and everything and stuff. So uh, but definitely an honor to be uh, asked to participate on this. And, I, you know, we I thank you for just doing this, you know, uh, you know, that's what it takes and that's what it's about. Just spreading the word and, uh, us reaching out and not being ashamed, uh, to be Christians and, and, and bring that in our workplace and in our everyday life. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people, uh, they try to separate, you know, you don't have to, uh, be on a pulpit every day, uh, yelling from a microphone, but I think if you just uh, carry and walk uh, in his word and everything, people can understand and, and see that we are, you're, you're a person of faith. And that's kind of what I uh, definitely believe in. So appreciate you doing this and, and taking this opportunity uh, to, to just kind of share my story and everything with others and everything. I hopefully, uh, I, I, I told uh, Chelsea before you all got on, that I could tell that you all probably didn't have much going on. You you was really bored if you were slogging on and everything today and stuff. But <laughs> hopefully we'll have a good time and everything, just talking. And and again, if you all have just questions about anything, just how, you know, I think of things, you know. I'll tell you first, I think first thing is uh, she asked about my athletic journey. Uh, you know, I started off my story uh, coaching as 
I, I went to a small division two school. Actually, when I first got there, it was NAI, actually going through the transition to go D2, uh, Coker College, uh, which just recently changed their name to Coker University. I was on a call last week, and I kept saying Coker College, and they was trying to ch get me to change, and that's going to be tough, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but I went there to play basketball. It's in Hartsville, South Carolina, a uh, small uh, private liberal arts school, predominantly white school, uh, you know, nice campus. Uh, but I went there and to, to play, uh, got hurt my freshman year. And, and I'm not, you know, I always tell the girls, you know, I, I don't pretend that I was uh, about to be an NBA player at any you know, point in my life and stuff. I wasn't the greatest basketball player. I worked hard, I played defense. And if you left me wide open, I was going to make the shot. I, I just, that was what I believed, and that's how I worked and stuff. But I wasn't the greatest player anyway and stuff. So, but I got injured my uh, freshman year. Well, and going back to my sophomore year, uh, still had some uh, issues. And, uh, and, and really being away from home, being uh, in a small town, uh, you know, I was kind of getting a little homesick. I end up my second semester uh, becoming an RA uh, at the school. And then uh, as I was walking around once, I, I, I decided I wasn't going to play anymore. And I was actually getting ready to transfer. And I was looking at coming back here uh, to go to Clark Atlanta, actually. And uh, while I was walking around, uh, you know, if, I don't know. I, I know Coach said she went to Salisbury. Uh, a lot, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Livingstone, uh, uh, Coach Williams at Salisbury. But those who have been at small schools know that you don't have a, a full staff, coaching staff most times. So uh, the women's coach there uh, asked me if I would be willing to help her out. And so I, I wasn't doing anything at the time uh, other than, you know, just uh, playing video games after uh, classes. So I decided to help her out. And it really led to something. It was a great opportunity for me because it was such a small school and they didn't have uh, anyone else to help. So I literally went from, you know, being a person who was getting ready to transfer to uh, being a number one assistant at a small school because just the circumstances. I mean, I would be sitting in class next to players. And then later that uh, day, I was on the uh, court yelling at them uh, to make their sprints and everything and stuff. So uh, it was a unique situation, but it was a great situation for me. Uh, and it really, really led to a lot of things and opened doors for me. Uh, and I'll kind of connect some dots. At that time, uh, the head coach at Francis Marion uh, had just gotten the job there was Wes Moore. And so that's really where uh, our connection uh, happened. And when uh, just being on the road and playing them, uh, Francis Marion is in Florence. And when I graduated, I was looking for uh, a couple of jobs and just kind of going through the process. And uh, at Lander University had just hired a high school coach who was a former player there and won a, a couple of state championships in the state of South Carolina, Sheeta Rose. And uh, she asked Coach Moore if uh, he knew anyone and he recommended me. So I, that's how I ended up, at, ended up at Lander. So I worked there two years. We kind of took over a program that uh, wasn't really that good. Uh, but uh, our second year there, we won the conference championship. Uh, I was kind of 
in a neat situation. The, the, the original coach at Coker who hired me had left to go to UNC Pembroke. Uh, she was uh, interviewing at other places and she kept mentioning my name as a candidate uh, to come with her. Uh, in the process, one of the schools she mentioned my name to, they kind of got word of it and asked me if I come interview uh, for their head coaching job. And so I went to USC Spartanburg uh, after two years at uh, Lander and uh, took the head coaching job there at the uh, very young and ripe age of uh, 23. Uh, and uh, for us who uh, been assistants and then transition over to that head coaching position. You know how it is. We think we know everything when we're assistant coaches. And then once we finally get that, uh, that whistle and the ability to make timeout calls and all, you realize how little you really do know and everything, especially at that young, uh, young of age. So I was the head coach at USC Spartanburg for two years. I knew I wanted to get to the division one level. Uh, just by the way, just to kind of, USC Spartanburg uh, is now upstate, okay? Uh, 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 it's a Division One school. They changed their name now. It's upstate now. I was there for two years, knew I wanted to get to D1, uh, had met a lot of people, kind of my knack and the reputation had been that I was a re recruiter. And so uh, I end up going to ECU, taking the job to go be their recruiting coordinator. In that first year, the head coach there, I worked for uh, D. Stokes, uh, end up uh, uh, having to resign in the middle of the year. It was also ECU first year of going into Conference USA. And it was also, uh, they had six freshmen on their team that year. And so she ends up uh, having to resign uh, in the middle of the year. And they walk in, call, pull me out of practice and say, hey, uh, Coach uh, Stokes just resigned and you're the new interim head coach. And I'm like, okay, great. Okay. And so that was a, a pretty neat experience. And then uh, from there, after a year there, I went to uh, Butler University and spent six years there at Butler, uh, helped turn that program around and moved up to their associate head coach. Uh, what was funny about the just always, you know, just talking about connections and, you know, I think one of the things that I tell uh, our players is, you know, how you treat people and just being humble and in your opportunities and thankful in those opportunities because you never know how uh, they may come back. Uh, the, the, the opportunity to go to Butler came because I was at Lander. Uh, the lady who got the head coach at Butler was the uh, previous head coach at Presbyterian College in South Carolina. So I had built a relationship again on, with her on the road recruiting. And so I went to Butler and spent six years there. Uh, during the time I was there, uh, recruited a lot of good players. Uh, another colleague of another school, um, coach was interviewing for two jobs. And uh, at the time, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of the jobs. I don't want to uh, tell all her stuff. But I'll tell you one of the job, the job she didn't take. She was interviewing for Memphis and another job in the Midwest. And so at that time, I told her she asked me if I would go with her if I took uh, if she got the job. So I told her I said, Yeah, I'll, uh, if if you get Memphis, uh, I'm coming with you and everything. 
And uh, she calls me one day, I'll never forget, I'm in the, at the Deep South uh, recruiting, and she calls me and she says she had good news and bad news. I said, okay. She said, good news is I was offered both jobs. The bad news, I accepted the other job. And, uh, and she said, but I still want you to come. And I asked her, you know, uh, why it was personal. And I understood why. She made the right decision. She's still at that school. That was a better fit for her. And she realized that and took that job. Uh, for me, uh, I didn't want to be there at that place where the school was at. I knew that wasn't for me and everything. So I kind of told her, I said, uh, you know, Memphis was getting me back down closer to the South, back closer to home. I said, you know, I appreciate it, but I think, you know, if it was an opportunity maybe to move back to Atlanta, I would take it. And in that process, in that conversation, she said, well, you know, Georgia Tech has opening. I'm like, no, I didn't. She said, well, I know the head coach. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. She said, I'll call her. And I'm thinking, well, I just told her I'm not taking a job. She's like helping me get a job, another job. And two days later, Georgia Tech called me and uh, I ended up working there at Georgia Tech for five years. And again, that comes back to uh, Wes Moore uh, from my early days at Coker when he was at Francis Marion. Wes was then at Chattanooga. Uh, Kay Yao at NC State unfortunately died of cancer. Uh, Wes was a former assistant of Kay. Uh, when she died, he interviewed for the job. That was my first year at Georgia Tech. He calls me and, and says, AG, I'm interviewing for NC State. Uh, if I get it, I, I want you to come. I said, uh, Coach, uh, uh, I just met this girl, okay? Uh, so uh, I don't know if I can move right now. And uh, so fortunately for me, uh, he didn't get the job. Uh, also fortunate for me, I end up marrying that girl. Okay, so I didn't move. I end up staying there. I end up marrying her. That's who my, my uh, two kids are by and everything. Uh, fast forward four years later, uh, he ends up interviewing again for the job and calls me again. Hey, Gene, I think I'm going to get the job this time. <laughs> Will you come now? <laughs> okay, and uh so uh, I ended up going with him that time, uh, and obviously we, we had a great run. But Georgia State was always a job that uh, I had on my radar, uh, just being, uh, you know, familiar with Atlanta and everything and just, you know, uh, the school. And so the opportunity, when that opportunity came, you know, and they called, it, it was perfect for me. Uh, my wife is from Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. Uh, I call Georgia home, although I was born in Miami, but most of my family is in LaGrange, Georgia. So it was a great opportunity for me uh, to be able to come back home and be around family and friends and everything. Uh, for me, you know, I think work is all about life and faith and just family. And so for me, I wasn't going to make a decision uh, uh, to be anywhere where I couldn't have all those things. I couldn't have my family. I couldn't practice my faith and I couldn't uh, see myself living forever and everything. And so that, that's why this was a perfect situation. So that's kind of just a, a background of my journey. Uh, I'm starting my 27 year uh, coaching uh, this year. Uh, I'll be 47 in November. So I started a really young age and I've been really blessed and lucky and stuff in that uh, process. So that's kind of the journey of the story. Uh, and now I'm leading into kind of my, my faith and everything there, you know. Uh, obviously, I was raised in the church. Uh, uh, 
you know, I, I'm a true Southern uh, Baptist uh, person. You know, some of my players still calls me uh, Pastor Hill, you know, uh, even, uh, uh, you know, I, I have to watch myself in practice sometimes also because I can get long-winded there also, just like the Southern pastor. Uh, but, you know, I'm someone who believes that, you know, like uh, the uh, deep Southern Christians that, you know, uh, we all uh, uh, have to answer to God's world, word. And in, in that, I do believe in uh, free will. He's a free will God. And uh, I think, you know, obviously that can uh, go back to Adam and Eve. It shows that and stuff. So, you know, in, in everything I try to do and my thinking and my faith and just even my career, I go back to that and everything of being a strong uh, believer in, in the word and that everything we have to do that we're going to eventually uh, have to answer to him. But in keeping that in mind, I try to also understand that people have, you know, uh, free will and people are going to make choices. And, and that's what God allows us to do. And, and, and obviously he's paid that price. And so I try to have those conversations with our players and just people around me, you know, uh, you know, I'm not one of the pe uh, uh, people who, you know, you're not going to attribute everything that bad happens around me to God. You know, uh, you know, when 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 uh, when Kobe died, you know, uh, you know, that was a, obviously a, a tough time for a lot of uh, our players, because for them, that was their Michael Jordan or Kareem or Magic or whoever it may be in your time. But that was for them the greatest. And a lot of them really were struggling uh, with the why. Uh, and, and we've even had a player who, who father in that process also died uh, from uh, 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 violence. And, and, you know, I, I'm pretty clear in it. And I tell them that, you know, uh, every bad thing that happens, I don't believe it's about it's God's will. I, you know, I think that uh, sometimes uh, when certain people die or certain things happen, God cries also. You know, uh, I do believe that you know, uh, we all have a predestined date, uh, but uh, in free will, we also have, we make choices and other people make choices that may alter that predestined date. And I think that's just, you know, uh, a lesson that we have to learn and understand and deal with and stuff, you know, so uh, you can't blame everything bad or everything that happens uh, on, on, on God alone and stuff. And that's just kind of my faith in that we all answer to him, but he allows us to have free will to make decisions and, and we have to live based on those decisions and choices that we make. And how does that tie into my coaching? Uh, if, you, uh, if you've seen us on Twitter or anything, uh, we talk about being a family by choices. And what, what we mean there is, you know, when I, when, when I was assistant and, and we all here, all of us in the coaching world, we talk so much about, oh, we have a family atmosphere. We are a family. And for me, you know, I try to keep it real also. I got some cousins that I really rather not deal with. Okay. So uh, I don't know about y'all. Maybe everyone's cool on y'all side, but me, nah. Okay. So, uh, we all may be family, but we're going to be a family by choices. And what does that mean is that as long as we're all making the right choices, uh, you know, we can all be in this family. 
And again, I think that ties back to being a, and having free will. So what I tell people and I tell our players every day that if you want to do right, if you want to be successful, if you want to be a person of faith, the choices that you have are not as many as you think. You can't be a person of faith and sinning and saying, oh, that's okay, and, and, and doing all kinds of things. You can't be a player who's saying, I want to be successful and don't go to class and don't work out and doing all kinds of things. You have a choice, but the choice is to be successful, a Christian or a successful player or a successful banker, teacher, whatever that may be, is not as many. This is what it takes to be successful. This is what it takes to get in heaven. Okay. You have to live this way and stuff. Obviously, you know, God, uh, you, well, for, can, you can ask for forgiveness, but that's not what it's about and everything. You, you have to make choices and everything because you're still going to have to deal with that sin and you're going to have to deal with that mistake as a player. So what we talk about how our choices affect each and every one of us. Okay. Your choice as a, as a man or a woman, uh, of a family, the head of a family, it affects your kids. It affects your brothers and siblings if you make choices that are detrimental and stuff. And that's the same thing we talk about as a player and stuff. So as long as you're making these same choices, we're going to be a part of this family and everything. So that's kind of how we believe what I believe, what we practice, what we talk about. We're very transparent in that. Uh, everything we do, each word, each letter means something to us and everything. And we talk about those things. And, 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 and I, I say uh, that's based out of my faith. I just think that, you know, you can't be, you can try, you know, you can write it down just as we all have the Bible at our uh, access. We can get to it and we can know the word. You can write a team manual and tell them all what to do and everything, but they still have the choice whether they're going to live by the Bible or they have the choice or they're going to live by that team name. And, and that's going to determine your success, whether it's in the uh, 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 Christian and spiritual world or whether it's in, again, the athletic world or a team world. And that's kind of how we live and everything and what we do and stuff. So, you know, my faith is something that uh, for me uh, is that uh, it affects everything that we do around here and stuff. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, I try to be open because I understand that everyone has free will. I'm not uh, trying to be a judgmental person and everything, you know. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, uh, we, we have all kinds on our team. And we, we don't discriminate. We love all and everything because each person is going to all have to answer to our own individual choices and everything outside. So uh, in, in saying that, you know, um, now, one of the things you, you also asked about is, uh, you know, some of the battles that we had to uh, kind of either endured or, or had to deal with. And this is one of the things that uh, kind of affected even with my, my Christian faith and the decision with choices and everything. You know, I was raised, I, I told you, I think I mentioned, maybe I mentioned before you all got on, I was born in Miami, Florida, uh, yes, to a single mom, uh, never met my dad. Uh, when when we moved to Georgia, uh, my grandmother was from uh, Lagrange, Georgia. So we moved to Georgia to try to get away from the troubles in Miami. Uh, we moved to Lagrange, and uh, my mom 
becomes addicted to drugs. And so I went my uh, um, through my high school years and also through my college years and early work years where my mom was uh, addicted to drugs. And I had to deal with that. And obviously, you know, as a kid, that's hard to kind of uh, understand. You know, you're asking yourself again why and the embarrassment and everything when people know uh, of dealing with that. Uh, my mom now is uh, celebrating uh, 16 years clean. Uh, but one of the things that that taught me is that, again, you know, the decisions you make, again, talking about the choices that you make, how they can lead down to a bad and, and, and a road for you. And, and, and you have to live with that. And even through that process, I can't count the amount of interventions we tried to have. You know, and, and again, my mom, uh, my grandma, all of them, when they talk about a praying uh, family, she came out of that. We all was in that. And, you know, but until she made the choice that she wanted to get better, that she, she had hit rock bottom, it was nothing that we could do. And I, I'll never forget the day that she called me. I was in, I was working at Butler at that time. And, and when she called me and told me that she was going into uh, treatment, and, and from that day, uh, she's been clean and, and since then and everything. And she struggles and deals with that every day. And, you know, so what I tell people is that I understand that hard times may come and that you may have to deal with things. And that's okay. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to use it as an excuse uh, to what we can achieve or, or what we can be and everything. So, uh, you know, when I'm talking to my players uh, with, in maybe tough situations, we understand. Uh, we want to deal with those things. But we still want to we, – we got to overachieve. We got to figure out how to change our situation. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, that, that experience for me was huge to deal with that. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's so much uh, that you can learn from dealing with. Uh, having a family member or, or uh, addicted to drugs. And just, you, you, it's kind of interesting because I don't know how many of you are familiar with their steps. Uh, their, their recovery steps, it, it's really actually uh, some pretty good things and stuff. You really have to humble yourself uh, to, be, to deal with it. I mean, you have to accept who you are. And so it's a lot of things where it can help people, even if you may not be dealing with it, but to work those steps, uh, uh, you have to humble yourself and, and, and know, and you have to admit that at that time, uh, that, that I'm a drug addict, I'm a drug addict, uh, and this is who I am, and, and, and every day I am that, and I think a lot of times that's where, you know, people and players, we can't, players, or not just players, everyone, we can't accept who we are. And until you can accept who you are, you can't ever fix what you may be dealing with. And so that's what we talk about, just kind of dealing with that and, and, and how we do that and how choices may help us there. Uh, so that's that's a big part of uh, my faith, uh, my life and everything, and just uh, my career also and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not ashamed anymore. You know, I've lived through that. Uh, being a shame stage, so you know it's it's hard to 
uh, I, as I say to my players, to embarrass Coach Hill now, you know, uh, because I, I've been there and stuff, you know, and, and the things that we deal with now, you know, it's just a blessing to be able to have that opportunity and to be able to uh, affect lives and, and hopefully uh, uh, make a positive impact on those lives each and every day. Uh, I talked about the choices, servant leadership. Oh, God, that's a, a one. You know, servant leadership, obviously, we, uh, Jesus was the greatest example of a service leader. You know, I mean, just what he was able to, uh, I mean, just imagine. I mean, just imagine if Jesus had the mindset of us today. I mean, my goodness, you know, uh, you know, to be able to sacrifice, to know that you have that much power and to still humble yourself to serve God and the people and yourself last. Whew, wow. I mean, just to think about that, it's kind of pretty powerful because, man, we're, we're so far removed from that now. I mean, because it's so opposite now. It's how do we serve me first Okay, and how does other hurt help me? Uh, and, and, and and how is God's fault now? And so we're, we're, we've totally flipped that from uh, what he was an example for a servant leadership to us and everything. Um, we we talk to our players all the time about being about the team. That's what the whole family by choice is is about. You want to be a servant leader. You got to make sure that, you know, you, the only way to improve your, your yourself is improve the team. And, you know, we talk about being here in Atlanta. If you can't be here in Atlanta and at Georgia State, and if you can't humble yourself when you walk every day, some days to classes, and you may have to step over a homeless person, or a person who's addicted to drugs or someone who may be dealing it. And if you can't humble yourself then to know and to realize what a blessing you have and an opportunity you have, man, you got some major issues with yourself and everything. And so we really talk about what an opportunity, what an example you have and, 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 and make sure that you don't you know, miss that blessing. And so we want to teach our kids that, and, and, and be, be realistic in what we're doing. This is basketball. It's so many more things bigger than us. And how can we make this greater? And when we say greater, how can we serve and help others? And so when, you know, a, a week ago, when I had a player text us and say, how do we help for Thanksgiving because of COVID player, you know, there, uh, there may be some people who don't have more. That, that's what it's about. That's what we're trying to teach here. That's what we're talking about doing. When we have players asking, how do we, you know, feed the homeless or do this and that, that's what service, servant leadership is about. Thinking about others versus yourself uh, first. And, and if you do that, if you could practice that, if you could teach that, and, and, and if we could spread that to others, think good things are happening to you. You know, and, and, and so that's what we talk about a lot. I always tell the kids that, you know, I'm never going to ask you to do something that doesn't benefit you or the team first. It's not about me. You know, it's not about me. My staff knows, you know, the first thing, I'm, I'm willing to take less. I'm willing to take less when, when everyone's dealing with the pandemic right now and the cuts and everything. You know, the first thing when I went to our administration, you know, 
what do I need to give up? You know, uh, I don't want our players to feel it. You know, I don't want our staff to feel it. How do I give, you know, to make sure that they're feeling and everything, you know, because if, if we can all sacrifice, if we can all get a mentality of helping others and, and, and everything we do, uh, it only helps us. And, and that's what servant leadership is about to me and stuff. And that's what we practice and to preach. And I just think this is a great place to uh, see so many examples of it. I mean, let's not talking about uh, another great one uh, with uh, the King Center being right down the road from us and everything, another great servant leader. So I think Atlanta's a great place. Um, I, you know, I don't want to ramble too much. I mean, I, like I said, I could be a, a, a a, a Sunday Southern pastor uh, first Sunday sometimes and everything. So <laughs> I want to get off my box, but you know, if you all have some questions or anything, you know, I'm more to, uh, happy to kind of answer or share anything else. If you all have interest. In. Yeah, absolutely. Cause first and foremost, um, you painted and coach G who's on here too. He said the same thing, like very deep perspective. If you've never been to the campus of Georgia state, uh, you would really recognize what Coach Hill means uh, as he takes the perspective to his young ladies and tells them about being grateful for what you have and understanding, um, you know, how much you're blessed because it's in the city. Like you legitimately, exactly what you said, you could be walking to class and seeing those unfortunately homeless laying on the ground, sleeping with cardboard or whatever they can find over themselves as you walk to class. It, it is a very real thing. And you know, one of the biggest things you said, Coach, that truly just was like, wow, every person has one and I wait for it. And you said, be willing to take less to help more. Mm -hmm. And so often we say we ser we're servant leaders. We say we're leaders in general, but we're self-seeking. Yeah. Right? We want the best job. We want whatever's going to put us in the best position to help self, self, self. But the best servant leaders are willing to take less knowing that it will help more. And I just think that was so amazing what you said and how you put that into perspective because so many people really need to take a step back and make sure that that's what we're doing because God himself sent his son, right? And I what you said earlier, I don't want to forget before I open it up. You said, I believe God cries also. Yeah. I heard this amazing perspective, um, you know, when they talked about when Jesus came back uh, because he heard that his friend Lazarus was sick, right? And we know it. Most people don't understand what it comes from, but they say, oh, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the shortest prayer. Jesus wept, right? Mm. And the perspective that was given to me was, did you ever realize that maybe Jesus wept because he understood what bringing Lazarus um, back at this point would move him from? That he had to take him from heaven and bring him back? Mm. You know, you ever think about that? And, and so I, that came to the forefront of my mind when you talked about appointed time from God, but understanding too that God cries also, yeah. understanding that he has given free will. And what do we do with our free will is what you also said. And I was sitting over here like, man, like mind blown. So great stuff, man. I really do appreciate that. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah. You know, we, we talked to our kids when we kind of, you, you mentioned about everyone uh, thinking about themselves. Uh, uh, <laughs> I always have all these crazy sayings to play or say or analogies. I, I tell them everyone can't always have the big chicken, you know, the big piece of chicken. You know, sometimes you, you got to take a wing, okay? Sometimes, you know, you can't always get the big piece of chicken. And so you got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit. So, okay, so, uh, uh, so we, we, you know, uh, but I, I, I agree, you know, uh, just, cool, man, if, if you think about that, you know, 
to to sacrifice and to give your son. I mean, me being a, a parent, and, and that's one. That's that's another thing that's helped me so much in my coaching. You know, and I tell my players, and I, and, you know, and I have great relationship with my parents, even when they're fussing and yelling at me, thinking that I don't know what I'm coaching and what I'm doing and stuff. I still, you know, talk to them because I understand every one of us until you've had a kid, it, it's hard. It's it, because you know, my my wife thinks my daughter is going to be the next uh, Elisa Leslie. My daughter don't even want to play. Okay, but my, my my wife swears that my daughter should get a scholarship right now and stuff, okay, in her eyes, okay? Like, she don't even play. Like, she can't, all right? But that's parents. That's the love that you have. It's, un, it's, it's, it's just, it's blinding. And so it makes me understand, you know, when I'm dealing with parents. But when you think about going back, connect, and talking about with God to sacrifice that, you know, uh, for, for others, to sacrifice your son, your only son, for others that you don't even know, that you don't even know yet. I mean, man, whew, God, if, if you can't, <laughs> if you don't think that's unbelievable and, and just serving and, and someone uh, 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 worship, uh, uh, worthy of being worshiped, it, it, whew, it's amazing. It's amazing. What sacrifice? What sacrifice? Totally agree. I feel the same vibe that you did. Uh, it, it does. It kind of takes your breath away. You know, uh, the most prized possession that you're given, you give it up. Yeah. For that you already know are going to go left with the free will. Right. You may not right. even accept or receive me. But exactly. You, give it away. you still uh, do it. I'm with you. Every time I think about that, right, yeah. that he doesn't treat us as our sins would allow, okay. right? He sent his son knowing he's going to pay the price for something we did and we continue to do. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it takes your breath away, truly. Uh, mercy and grace. I mean, we, we, we talked about that because, God, if I got everything that I deserve, oh, my goodness. Whew, I don't know where I'd be, but <laughs> it definitely wouldn't be here. Thank Amen you. Amen to that. So, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. You, you want to share with players. You're not going to thank goodness you don't get always what you deserve. You know, uh, thank goodness someone is looking out for you in there and, and just kind of trying to keep those things in perspective. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and open it up now um, for any questions anybody has for coach. Because uh, I'm still over here saying the same thing. Thank goodness he doesn't treat me as my sins would allow. <laughs> coach. Yes. God bless you, Coach Hill. Thank you. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, I really, truly appreciate your transparency uh, on this call right now. Like it, it's just, I, I have, I, I normally keep notes and you got like two pages already, you know, filled in my black book. So I'm like, man, uh, I wanted to also tell you that's a dope t-shirt. Cause right. I always say, I, I say that pretty often in my prayers yeah. that Jesus is bigger, you know? So yeah. I'm always saying bigger than the pandemic, bigger than the politics. No you know, question. so Jesus is truly bigger. Um, the one thing that you said uh, in uh, in your previous talking, uh, you said to uh, be careful, and I just wanted to take note on this, and uh, you said uh, uh, you tell your players all the time to uh, uh, be careful how you treat others. Mm -hmm. And so that just took me right to the uh, scripture uh, in Hebrews that says, do not forget uh, to show hospitality to strangers 
for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality angels without knowing it. Yes. And that's what I tell my, my boys. I got two boys here. And I tell my players that all the time, like, be very careful who you're talking to and how you treat others, because you might just be talking to strangers. Yes. The question is, here's, my, here's where my question comes into you, and it's a little bit on the basketball side. Okay. As, um, as um, African-American coaches, right, we pretty often in the college ranks, I know, you know, I know a number of coaches, and I know a number of uh, high school and college coaches, and so pretty often we have the stigma of being because you you were saying how you uh came in and you were doing the recruiting and everything mm -hmm. pretty often we have the uh stigma of uh just being just that as mm -hmm. a recruiter um can you talk to us a little bit about uh with your like some of your pitfalls that you had to kind of you, you know, you've been at Georgia State for 23 years, like, so you have a very much understanding of the total game and can coach, you know, at any level. So can you give me, like, can you talk to me about uh, how that, how, how, how to separate yourself from that, that stigma of only being able to recruit and only being able to relate to, to, you know, to, uh, to our kids, you, mm -hmm. you, you understand what I'm trying to say? No question, no question. Okay. First of all, um, just clarify, I've been coaching for 27 years. This is my third year at Georgia State. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. This is my third year, no, that's fine. Uh, but no question, you know, I, I, this, this is something I'll say, you know, especially as uh, uh, Blacks, you, you get put as that uh, a lot of times as that recruiter, and then that person who uh, you're there to deal with our kids, you know, your That's kids, right. you know, discipline and all those other things, exactly, and stuff. So, uh, and I've been in those roles. Uh, what, what, what I tell and recommend people is that even if you may have to take a step back to get, uh, to help your resume as far as get more experience, diversify yourself and learn more so you can't be pigeonholed, not allowing them to pigeonhole you, do it because in the long run that's going to help you more and you you, you have to understand that you know I, I'll, I'll share this story with you uh during my time at butler uh mm -hmm. brad stevenson was there at that time also the head coach of the boston celtics okay mm -hmm. uh, brad then was when i when i originally got there brad was a, a director of basketball ops and then he worked himself up to assistant when todd licklider left to take the job at our uh, Val, uh, Val Jordan, who's now the head coach at uh, Butler, went with Todd. Okay, he played mm -hmm. Butler and, and was on that staff also. He went with Todd, so it was there. So the job came down to uh, Brad Stevenson and Matthew Graves, who interviewed for the job. Matthew Graves played at Butler. Right. His brother at the time was probably their second best player on the team. Okay. And both of them interviewed for the job. Now, Brad Stevenson didn't go to Butler, okay? Okay. During the interview, what happened, mm -hmm. what we found out after, and a lot of people don't realize, the edge that Brad had, obviously, Brad 
his brand, he's done a great job. But the other edge right. he had was because he was a director of operation, he was able to talk about budget, scheduling, uh, timing, academics. He was able to talk about things that Matthew didn't know yet. Because you know he had only dealt with coaching. And so that was the edge that gave Brad the job, even over all those other things. So step back sometimes and learn everything. So, you know, even when I was at Georgia Tech, I, I took a step one back and I did operations. I wanted to learn budgets. I wanted to learn everything and stuff. You know, you want to get on the court and, and you want to spend as much time with those players, helping them develop and become better. Because if you could do that also, they'll start talking. And the coaches, mm -hmm. it, they'll start talking not only word of mouth, but it'll also be uh, shown through that plate and everything. And yeah. people, oh, who's helping develop those players? Who's spending that time and everything? Well, and that'll help you also from a coaching standpoint there. But you have to make sure that you learn everything. You got no schedule. You got no budgeting. You got no, you know, marketing. You got to know all parts and put yourself in there and not allow someone to only put you as a recruiter or a disciplined person. Go and meet the assistant ADs, the associate ADs, all those kind of me. Try to sit on different committees and everything to help yourself, help yourself so that you can learn as much as possible so that when it's that time for you to be able to be a head coach or uh, at a high school, a college, or whatever it may be, they have nothing to say about why you can't get that job. And then another thing I'll share with you also, and I tell our girls this, and one thing, I'm very big on uh, our girls always being presentable. And what what's presentable, I don't get into saying you got to wear a dress, you got to do this and all that. I'm not getting that. You got your style, but it needs to be presentable, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we don't do the blue, orange, green, yellow hair. We don't do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because, again, other thing in Atlanta is you never know who you will bump. You just likely step over a homeless person as you likely to step uh, bump into a congressman, a senator, a lawyer, a CEO also. <laughs> and you got to be ready. Okay. So right. what I also will tell you is make sure that you dress the part and be ready at all times for the job you want. And stuff so that they mm -hmm. see you. So start being a head coach as an assistant. I was, I was right. running things for my head coaches. I was taking care of everything. You have to start thinking like a head coach and being a head coach even in your role as an assistant. That's right. And, and that'll help you. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. To answer your question, I'm, I'm breathing. So as far as I'm concerned, there's always an opportunity to do better. Okay. Uh, one question I'm going to ask now that you brought up while I'm thinking about it. You said your, your daughter is not a hooper. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you deal with that? You know, I, I, I just have to. You know, I try to keep her involved. Uh, you know, she likes dancing. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I, I sit back and I think, you know, I've lived my life. I, I had my time and I did what I enjoyed doing and, and now it's her opportunity. And if she says that she likes dancing, now she's played basketball. We tried to get her involved with all kinds of things, volleyball. She now, she, she likes volleyball more. She saw the volleyball coach at the football game the other day and she ran up to her talking to her, you know, I'm a nobody, volleyball coach pop, okay? But you just kind of embrace what they like. You just want them to be active and happy in something. 
you know, now my son right now is on the opposite end. He likes basketball. I mean, he tell you about everyone and everything and stuff, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's something that he wanted to do and everything that he gets in. We don't, you know, uh, I don't even push him really in it. I don't think I can coach him because he's so hard-headed and stubborn. Uh, if I say something, he don't listen. He has to hear from someone else. Uh, but right. I think you just have to support them. You do. I do think you need to give them the experience to make sure because I, I, I don't know how old your daughter is. I mean, my daughter is 10. Uh, I'll admit child. it, but I'm just oh, wondering okay. just in case. Yeah, They don't know everything that they don't like. You know, I, I right. you know, think some things you think you don't like and just because you never really tried to have it or looked hard or the first time, you know, you, you missed 10 shots that day and stuff, you know, when you went out there. So you have to kind of try to get them in, in it and get them experience. But um, it is what it is. But now it's funny, though, my players, they know uh, she's critical now. She thinks she a coach. She'll tell her real quick. Uh, uh, one of my players came to me. They said, "Ooh, Gigi said I played awful." I was like, "What?" <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. She quick to tell him now. Like you turn it on that ball, you was awful. <laughs> I did coach in the making. You never know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What you can't do, you can coach. It's up teaching. It yeah. And I guess my my biggest question for that situation is just when you talk about, you know, being able to build those relationships with your players and, mm -hmm. and strong program and whatnot. But then when you transition home, it's like this has been a large chunk of your life for so long. And if you don't have that type of connection with your kids at home, you know, not even if it's not basketball, maybe volleyball or football or just some sport to where it's like, okay, you understand the, the mental grind and the physical grind of being able to work on your game and, and get better and be a good teammate and be a good person or whatever. Just being able to deal with that if they don't want to go off into that arena in some some capacity. So I just wonder what, what that thought process was like. I remember I didn't know about the son until you just mentioned that. But you yeah. know, one out of two bad. Yeah, but he's he's also a brainiac. I mean, even before he picked up basketball, he's he'll be eight in December. Uh, he he made the the math national uh, uh, competition uh, two years ago and stuff. So you know, and again, just like I would support him in the AAU tournament, uh, we all went out, we drove to Birmingham for that and everything, and and did the whole thing for that. So yeah, so you, you in Birmingham? My neck of the woods, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's where the math nationals were. Uh, at the convention center and stuff. So we, you know, you just have to, you have to find out whatever their love is. Obviously your players, uh, they're doing it because hopefully they're doing it because they love it. And, and that's there. And that's a connection you all have, but with your kids or your family, you know, my wife is quick to tell me, don't come here coaching us now. Okay. Cause I, I still have some of those tendencies and everything, you know, but, and that's yeah. quite naturally, you're going to have those tendencies. That's who you've you been around it so long. I mean, yeah. it, it just kind of naturally flows that way. Right. Right. And so, you know, you just, you have to coach them in other things. It may be math, it may be dance or cheerleader and whatever it may be and stuff, you know. And, and my last little question statement, whatnot, you talked about presentability. Mm -hmm. yourself or whether you talk about your players um, Chelsea at some point it ain't, it ain't time for me yet but when I do do my story this is going to be part of it um, I was coaching intramural ball when I first got to college 
I'm gonna wear a shirt and tie to every game I coach. And they're like, dude, you're you're basically wearing a shirt and tie to a glorified red game. I'm like, and but this is what I want to do. Right. I know this is, I, I'm just getting ready for later. Right. You don't see that, but I see that because right. I see the picture. Right. Um, and the other part with the kids is like trying to get you to understand that I'm not trying to judge you personally. Yeah. But I know kind of what will work and what won't in terms of, hey, you probably don't want to take this picture or, like you said, uh, eight different colors or have. No offense, Chelsea. Um, <laughs> or I just remember the comment. You said you wouldn't have made it. But I'm just saying in general, it's like we, we kind of know what no, it is. Absolutely. So you dress every time. But if you go wear some jeans and a shirt, you know, the jeans and the shirt, but everything ain't showing because that level of presentability is huge. Um, presentation is huge. So I guess touch on that. A, I'm going to thank you for, for coming on as always. Sure. And two, touch on that and I'll be done. But just in terms of how you get that across. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm transparent on everything with our kids and with our parents and everything. You know, I talk to our mm -hmm. players uh, in the recruiting process about it. I'm not one of those coaches who, only tell kids uh, uh, the rules when they get here and they sign and everything. I, I, I tell them in their process recruiting with their parents in there, uh, you, you can't you can't dye your hair blue, you can't dye your hair green, pink, all those things and everything. And, and the other thing I, I tell them, I say, look, whatever tattoo you have on you right now, that's fine. I'm accepting it. No problem. You come here, you don't even have to cover it up. But during your four years here, no more tattoos. During your four years, that's it. I said, you don't have to cover up the ones you have, but don't get any more during your four years. Now, again, why? It's because, again, all those presentable things and stuff, and I talk to them about being ready. I also be very transparent with them on, in the world we live in. In a perfect world, people wouldn't judge you by how you look. In a perfect but world, especially a black woman, people wouldn't judge you for giving your opinion on and think you're automatically being aggressive and, and rude and this and everything in a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. Okay. We live in a real world that does those things. And, and what we want to try to do is we want to make sure we take away every excuse they have for us to be successful, take away those excuses. And then once we get into that position, whatever it may be, you know, whether it's lawyer, doctor, teacher, and stuff, we want to then affect changes. We want to be able to affect change that hopefully we can make the world more better and more open-minded to things and stuff. But we don't want to give them any excuse right now. We want to break the glass ceiling. We talk about the glass ceiling is real. It's not a, uh, it's not a fake thing. It's not something that just people talk about. And it's worse for you. And, and, and I, have, I have 14 young ladies and uh, I have uh, three kids that are mixed and one kid who's uh, white and everyone else is all black. It's real for black women. And I want them to know that and understand it. And I talked to them about that initially. And I talked to them about it in the front of their parents and everything so that they can understand and know why I'm selling them. It's not about my personal opinion. My wife got a tattoo. I ain't saying I got anything about, you know, I, that ain't the reason. Right. And everything. My niece came in yesterday. Her hair was red. Okay. I throw her out the house. It's not about me. And so my, my, my niece, you know, it's different. You know, get me, make sure you have no reason they can't, can't deny you, can't deny you. And then once you get there, let's, let's kill them. 
hit them, give them everything and stuff. And I tell them, now, if you get to the point where you're Lil Wayne, where, you know, you tattoo your face up, do whatever. It don't matter and stuff, you know, if you want to do that. If you get there, you can do it. But until you get to that point where you can control and you, you, you're you your own boss and everything, play the game, understand how to play the game, and then let's change the game in that process. Absolutely. I love it, Coach. You know, I'm sitting over here laughing, and the reason why Coach G said that is because at the start of every year, um, it is, and, it, and it actually the funny thing about it is it started because of what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that we talk about presentation, my mom, my grandmother has always told me presentation is everything, honey. I'm telling you right now. And so at the start of every year, I have one of those pop colors that you're talking about. Right. And it's kind of like a, here I am. So that when you arrive, right. And so it's to show them, and I do that every year, it's to show them one of two things. I do it because one, when I, I don't read people, my credentials, I don't do that, Mm -hmm. but misjudge me. Mm-hmm. Then, like you just said, hit them in the mouth with it. Oh, but this is who you talk to. Welcome. I'm your child's teacher, right? And then we go back to Brown. But right. the other part to that is, it's so right what you're saying is sometimes and majority of the time, we don't like to admit it. We don't say it, but it is the case. When people look at you, they've already made the decision about what they feel you are, what you are equipped to do, and what you are not to do. It just is the nature of the beast. And Coaching young women, especially young black women, especially in a black Mecca, such as Atlanta, that is something that you have to push the envelope on. And if anybody disagrees with that, they're not telling you the truth. So, again, kudos to you, and, and I applaud you for that, because it needs to be done. It needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, again, we haven't had any problems and stuff, you know, uh, our parents. I, that's why I think it's important to be upfront with it and be transparent with it. If a kid doesn't agree, if a parent doesn't agree, then they know it's not the place for them and everything, you know, uh, and, and the ones who do won't have any problems with it. You know, we have one girl, uh, she likes to wear wigs and she she wore a wig back and her, her mom's like, you know, you better take that wig off before you get on campus and everything and stuff. And she, the wig was blue or something. I ain't got no problem with wig, hers was blue. That's why her mom told her, you better take that wig off. So they know and everything and stuff. You know? <laughs> so, that's amazing, Coach. Do we have anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody else out. Yep, Coach Hell said truth and trust is what it's all about. I totally agree. No question. No I think one of the biggest things, too, uh, about you, um, it exudes through the call. Um, and I think as soon as somebody talks to you, even with, in minutes, they understand and know what you stand for, right? And, and I think that's the same with your recruits and turn players. They understand what you stand for, and they, which means they understand what they sign up for. Um, have my girls that tell me all the time, oh, we just knew you didn't play. Yeah. You've enjoyed the team. We knew. And I'm like, how did you know? We just knew. And I think that when, as old folks said, when you stand flat-footed uh, on what the word of God says you are and what truth you are, people know. Yeah. And I think that that's why, as you said, you never had any issues. I, I don't I don't foresee you are going to ever in the future either. Um, but, Coach, I appreciate you so much. I mean, I'm like – Coach Patrick, I got notes over notes over notes over here. I'm surprised you didn't hear my pages flipping. Um, just for your transparency, your honesty, um, your words of wisdom, and just keeping it real. Um, I think sometimes in this in this you know coaching game and in positions of leadership, um, less is more. And and sometimes you have to speak the truth, even if it's not the popular thing to say. 
Um, it needs to be said, and especially times like these. I, I appreciate that you are the gatekeeper and the guardian of our young Black women who will go out into the world um, as an organization has a logo and a, and a model that says what they see is what they'll be, right? And, and we have to foster that. If we don't, then they turn into people that we're complaining about all the time. I just thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I say it all the time. Time is the one thing in life we cannot get back. We can't get a refund for it. No exchange. So I appreciate you so much just for being here. And I'm going to give you a chance to say any last thing you want to say before we log off. No, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Uh you the offer and the opportunity to just share with you all and if if i could do anything for you uh i'll, I'll put my information in the chat also for you all to have uh, my email and then also my uh sale number uh and, and if i could do anything for any of you all uh please don't hesitate uh to give me a call and just keep doing what you're doing continue to uh you know uh, fight the fight and, and, and know that uh, it's not over. Uh, we have the laws, God has the laws, and that uh, you know things will get better and stuff. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, my my number is a, a North Carolina number. I hand changed that number and stuff. So uh, just in case you all, I want you all to think I said I was, and then give you all the wrong number and stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it so much, Coach. I see you nine one nine. I'm with it. All right. Cool. Absolutely. Well, we thank you again. I thank everybody for fellowshipping with the, us today and makes it what it is. I mean, if you all could just bow your heads really quickly. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much again for being able to gather in your name, Lord God. For We know in your word it says where two or three are gathered, there you will be also. And, and you show up every time, Lord God. And I thank you for showing up today through Coach Hill. Um, we ask you that you just put your hands over him, Lord God. Continue to strengthen him as your servant leader Help them to continue to produce amazing leaders that will go into the world and change this world, Lord God. We ask, speaking of the world, that you will heal this world, Lord God. Put your hands around it, Lord God. Politics aside, Lord God. Race, racism aside, Lord God. We know that you have a purpose and you have a plan. So just help us to carry out the purpose and the plan that you have for our lives, Lord God. Help us to continue to stay steadfast, Lord God, encouraged, even in the midst of what we see. Help us to understand that we need to keep our eyes fixed upon you. We thank you, Lord God, so much just for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do, Lord God. We thank you in advance right now for the blessing. In your son Jesus' name, we will continue to pray. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. As always, if there's anything that we can do for you, Coach, same thing applies here. You just reach out and welcome to the Servant Leader family. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Guys. You all take care.